0: Romumu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm Rabbi Diane Coloress. I'm the associate rabbi at Romumu. So pleased to be diving into the text with you this morning. I want to dedicate this bit of study to the memory of George Steiner, who died this week. George Steiner was a Franco-American philosopher, literary critic, novelist, Jewish thinker, and more. And he coined one of my favorite lines in Jewish thought, which is that every text is a home, every, retur- every commentary a return. So this morning, as we dive into some text, let's see how it might become our home. We're going to start before we go to the text. I actually want to, the text in our parsha, in our portion this week, which is Bishalach. I want to introduce you to a rabbinic figure, uh, a kind of commentary. So if we open up in Genesis, Genesis we're going to go backward for a moment so i can introduce you to a figure and then we're a figure in um rabbinic commentary a legendary a legendary figure and then we're going to go to Exodus to our parsha to see how this legendary figure functions okay so just bear with me for a moment and travel with me through the five books of the Torah For right now, we're going to be in Genesis. So we're on page, um, let's see, 281. And we're looking at the genealogy of the people in Jacob's family who go into Egypt and settle in Egypt. Specifically, let's see what verse we're in. I want to look at um the children of asher the tribe of the beginnings of the tribe of asher uh, and of course i lost my place oh vnei asher good um so in verse 17 on page 281 it says asher's sons imna ishva ishvi do not name your children this <laughs> biriah and their sister serach Very interesting. It doesn't say, and his daughter, Serach. It says, and their sister, Serach. So she is the only named granddaughter of Jacob. And she's in the genealogy here. And interestingly enough, she's also listed in the genealogy of the people who are standing in the Straits of Moab about to go into the promised land. Now, how could this be? how old would this make her if she's in this genealogy and that genealogy so the children of israel were in slavery for some say 200 years some say 400 years so she is very old and in fact the rabbis tell us she never dies she kind of travels with the israelites through all their wanderings so now let's go to our parsha we are um Actually, not yet, sorry. For a moment, I want to go to Exodus, Genesis 50, verse 24. Almost the end of the book. I'll tell you in a moment. 310, thank you. So this is Joseph's final words before he dies. And this is the end of Genesis. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die. God will surely take notice of you and bring you up from this land to the land that he promised on oath to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, when God has taken notice of you, you shall carry up my bones from here. So those are his last words. He's buried in Egypt. And now we're going to fly into our own Parsha, Exodus 13, 19. Chapter 13. When someone has a page, yell it out. 1319. I have it. 400. Page 400. So it says, um, so now where are we in our story? The Israelites are about to leave Egypt, about to go through the sea, the split sea. And it says the Israelites went up, went up armed out of the land of Egypt and Moses took with him the bones of Joseph. Um because they had exacted I'm sorry, because Joseph had exacted an oath from the children of Israel saying Elohim et God will surely take notice of you, then you shall carry up my bones from here with you. So, we have this moment where, um, Moses fulfills the promise of taking Joseph's bones out of Egypt with him and with the people. So my first question is, but I'm not going to let you answer it yet, is why is it so important, besides fulfilling a promise, to take Joseph's bones out of Egypt? Why do they need to take, why do the people need to take Joseph's bones out with them? And before we answer that question, how does Moshe know, how does Moses know where Joseph's bones are buried? And this is where Serach Bat Asher comes in. Who would like to read the legend about Serach, which is, um, written in the Talmud, uh, in the tractate of Sota. And you have that here on your page. Anyone like to? Stand up and read really loud and dramatically. Alina, how did, Moshe how did Moshe know? Alina, the microphone, please. Moshe went to her and said, "Do you know where jo- Joseph is buried?" She said, The Egyptians buried him in an iron casket and placed it in the Nile so that its waters become blessed. Moshe went and stood at the banks of the Nile. He said, Yosef, Yosef, the time has come that the Holy One, blessed be He, swore that He would redeem them. The time has also come for the oath that Israel swore to bury Yosef in the land of Israel. If you show yourself well and good, if not, we are free from your oath. <clears throat> Immediately, Yosef's casket floated to the surface. So Rashi, the 11th century French commentator, says um, about Moses taking the bones out of Egypt, that when Israel, when they all left Egypt, the Israelites were busy packing up their things, and Moses was busy fulfilling a promise. Right. So Moses had his eyes on something higher. So the question I want to open up with you today is twofold, uh, or the questions are twofold. One is, why is it important to take Joseph's bones out? And if we were about to walk into freedom at this very moment, what would it be essential? What, what would we need to take with us that would be essential at this moment? What from the past would we need to take with us? In order to move into freedom. So those are my my two questions. You can ask, you can answer either one or both. So the first one is, why is it important to take Joseph's bones out of Egypt? And if it were you now, what would you take with you? Linda, Linda, if you could, I think someone's going to run over to you with a microphone, so people out there in live stream land could hear, and we could all hear better. Yes. So if you could see, Shabbat Shalom. Up, that would be great. Oh, well,
1: I believe the teachings of resurrection, we are going to be resurrected from our bones. So the bones need to be
0: in a place where we want to be when we are resurrected. Great. And Joseph did not want to be
1: in Egypt. No. And also, as we many of us feel when we go to a cemetery, there's a certain energy that is... Being emitted from the place where somebody is buried. Thank you.
0: Beautiful. So our last kind of intentional act is to perhaps decide where we're going to be buried and from what place we'd like to be, we'd like to rise up again. That's an amazing thought. Thank you. Um, Let me just see hands. Okay, Bonnie. Just use the microphone so people can, can hear you in live stream land. I think it's particularly fitting with Yosef, who not only didn't go um, to Egypt voluntarily, he was buried in a pit involuntarily, and there's something kind of symbolic or parallel about that. And then also I always thought there was a connection. Let's just stay with that for a minute. So that's really interesting. So he's been in a dark place before. He was in a pit, he was in jail, and now he's buried under the ground in a... It's not a... um, what do they call them in Egypt? It's not a, a what? Sarcophagus. Thank you. And it's interesting because the book of Genesis ends in darkness, and the book of Exodus ends in light, right? With the um, the clouds of glory and the uh, the the fire of God. And it says in the last image we have in the book of Exodus that 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 the children of Israel saw the fire of God. They were Able to hold the light, and yet the Book of Genesis ends in darkness, which is fitting because they're about to go into into slavery. Okay, go ahead. And then the, the, other, the other thing is they talk about the term um, etzem, which his Atzamot bones or etzem, uh-huh. which also feels like "atsmaut," like liberation. Ah, uh, nice. You know? And it's nice that what's kind of being nice. liberated, redeemed,
1: whatever oh, term you want I love that. Call That's a right?
0: fantastic play on words. Yeah. So Joseph's bones, his atzamot, need to be liberated. Atzmaut, need to be independent. Like Self liberation. Uh-huh. Beautiful. Thank you. Okay, so do I see other hands? James, and then Ariella, and then I think um, Yeah,
1: also, uh, also going to the word etsem, which means self, and the, the bones uh, essentially are saying that you only, you only bring your essential self into the next world. You don't bring any of your possessions, and it's a reminder to... Mm-hmm. To always go back to do, you know, go back to who you really are at your root, your authentic self. And there's an authenticity of Joseph that they're trying to, to bring up mm, with
0: that. Beautiful. So who are you when you are stripped of everything and stripped down to the bone, right? What what's left? Who are you at that moment? Okay, Ariella. So I was thinking about what's missing and what's missing is Joseph saying, and I want to be buried next to when I get mm. back mm. to the Promised Land. So the implication, I think, is that he wants to be buried next to his father. But how come he doesn't say it? And so that leaves me with a little bit of tension yeah. as to what's really going on yeah. here. And well, did, no, they, did they reconcile? Did they not reconcile? Yeah. Yeah. Is he leaving it up to them? Well, then why is he leaving it up to them? Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a story here that we don't know. And I can't figure out, Sarah mm-hmm. and I can't wait for you to tell us. I think that's a great point. And if we think about Joseph and his brothers, we also say Joseph and his brothers. right? He's the solitary operator. He's the one who has the kind of solo adventure of the hero. So I wonder if that's how he thought of himself fundamentally, to go back to James' point. Like maybe who he is... Fundamentally
1: is alone. I don't know. Okay, so and then a hand on the back. Wow. There is a mystery there. When you look at Udala via Kuzari, the lineage of the transmission of the essence of the teaching of the Kabbalah. Go all the way from Adam through so seven generation, twentieth generation, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, Moses, a gap. What happened with this gap? Where does this, this knowledge go? And then today so you can... So what cam-
0: happened between Yaakov and Moses, you're saying? Be- between
1: Joseph and Moses. Between Joseph and Moses. Because uh-huh. Joseph and the... and Moses. Joseph and Moses. ...of the Kabbalah, of the mystery knowledge, of the needs nitz- of, of the sparkle, of the knowledge, of the wisdom, of the deep wisdom of God. And then you came and answered it with a woman, Serach. She carried the knowledge through generation, And she reminded me, forgive me for bringing yoga here. A famous, uh, what they call him. You uh, have to
0: forgive you for bringing up yoga at Romamu,
1: Alpha? Uh, so. I'm joking. <laughs> Babaji, who is traditionally live forever and come back again and again. And I met people who met him in India. Yeah. I didn't meet him myself. There are some people that maybe, according to Yogananda and others, that have some miraculous power. They can live so long. And she tells, uh, Moses, not just how to find that Atzamot, as somebody said, but the Atzmut, the Atzmiyut, the higher mm-hmm. self, of Moses, to connect to the knowledge of Joseph, mm-hmm. the transmission of the Kabbalah, of the knowledge. And he has to, take to Israel, be taken to Israel because we need a, the graveyard of the Tzadikim, the graveyard of the great beings of these people, so we can connect to them. They are beyond being in one place or another, in my understanding. But we need Ah, that's but, interesting.
0: We I mean, need them to be in one place, but they don't need it.
1: They, 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 they if, are is, everywhere. This yeah. is a communal peoplehood need. OK, yeah. great. Thank you. Thank
0: you. OK, um, and then Rabbi Jill. And I think we're going I'm going to close with one more text about Sarah. Go ahead.
1: I think fundamentally what's going on here is trophy collecting, because Joseph is a very important person to the Egyptians, too. Ah. He rescues them from famine. He's advisor to the pharaoh about dreams and other important things. And on our way out the door, we get the bones, and it must be a terrific sarcophagus, and they don't have them. And I think that's what's going on here. So
0: it's kind of a statement of liberation. Like, this is ours, and reclaiming our own legacy. That's fabulous. Rabbi Jill. So one of the ways I've always thought about this is that Joseph actually asks them to bring the bones not only for himself but for them, because they're there for hundreds of years and they can't forget who they are. Mm. So one of the things that they can't forget is that they made this promise to bring him back, mm. and it, it keeps them to, it keeps okay. them focused. And that's why Sarah's character is important because she's the memory. Mm. So as long mm. as there is a memory of our connection to our you know our authentic. Mm. Uh, tradition, then it's still possible to reclaim that. Yeah, love that. And that connects to the Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. But this is the people who did know Joseph, right? And, the, and, and Serach as the kind of prophet who is able to reconnect us to our legacy that we're disconnected from, right? And freedom and the bare bones of freedom um, requires that we reconnect to this past, right, to what's valuable in our past. You can't go forward until you can carry that with you. Okay, I slow one more? hand. go ahead. I just think that maybe there's a paradox about the past, which is that sometimes yeah. we think the past is buried. Um, but the more the bones are left in the ground, actually, the more likely that past is to be future. And there's a way in which Like, by unburying the past, you make the possibility for real change. Mm -hmm.
1: Joseph, as someone eloquently said, represents Mm -hmm. involuntary um, journey and involuntary servitude. And by bringing his bones back up again, it's really the only way that the Jewish people can, the Israelites can move towards freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, So sometimes, really, you have to dig up the past in order to change Mm -hmm. the future.
0: I, I love that. So in our society, we're so focused on freeing ourselves. And I love what you're saying, because you're saying, in order to free ourselves, we actually have to free and unbury our past, right? And Sarah is pivotal in doing so. Sarah, um, as she walked out of the Sea of Reeds um, with the Israelites, there's there's a recorded conversation um, in the Talmud about her, and she argues with a rabbi about what what the the sea walls on either side of the Israelites look like, and she says something like, I don't remember exactly, but kind of lit windows, lit windows. So what a beautiful image of freedom. So let's read this last piece, a reflection on Sarah, by Rob Soloveitchik, who was a great, um, uh, pretty much, I think, modern Orthodox 20th century rabbi. Um, and if someone, if I could have one more reader, a loud voice. Go ahead, Gail. Could we have the microphone over there? wonders on an unprecedented scale. Such excitement could easily lead to a sense that their generation represents true religious greatness and that nothing that came beforehand really matters. Yet this conclusion is false. Every generation, irrespective of its accomplishments, needs to turn to its elders for counsel and wisdom. The living example of someone who knew Yaakov Avinu was an invaluable resource for the generation of redemption. So the living example of someone who knew our forefather Jacob, right? Invaluable resource. So I didn't hear from anyone about what you you would take out to freedom right now, but I want to dedicate this first Aliyah to those of you who are ready to mine your past in the service of collective freedom.